November 2nd, 2022. That means it is uh, the election is right around the corner, and that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today, plus some other stuff here on Common Sense Ohio. The hell is Common Sense Ohio doing on Lawyer Talk? Well, you know, uh, we just had to run parallel paths for a while. It's like sometimes when you're, I think, uh, State Route 23 does this going north uh, towards Toledo. For a while, you're on 23, and you're on, what is that, 15? 68, I don't know. But anyway, you're on two roads at the same time, Mm -hmm. but knowing full well you're going to split off, and the split is coming, I promise, at Common Sense Ohio. What is Common Sense Ohio? Well, it is a very unique, uh, interesting, uh, fresh, common-sense perspective on Ohio news. And then you would ask, well, what the heck do I care about Ohio news? Well, uh, as our slogan aptly says, we are right from the middle coming at you across the country, spanning the globe to bring you a constant variety of news. Do you hear what I did there? It's sort of like the uh, agony of defeat in, uh, in uh, the old uh, Jim McKay, I think, did that. But love that theme song. Yeah, it was great. Oh my God. Um, anyway, so we're going to take we take a common sense approach at uh, news, at politics, at philosophy, at history, at sometimes racing because Norm's a racer, uh, sometimes law because I'm a lawyer, sometimes podcasting because uh, Brett's a podcast businessman. I mean, there's the the idea is is to drop the cloak of bias as much as possible, open the discussion, encourage contrary opinions to ours, even though they're wrong, Norm, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, bring you, and bring you some content that actually makes some sense. So, uh, you know, where do you get Common Sense Ohio? Well, but very soon you're going to be able to go to commonsenseohioshow.com and you'll see our website. But uh, we also have, uh, it's going to be up in podcast world. Uh, that's probably happening this week. There's going to be a press, a press release going out on social media accounts. Believe me, everything is going to stop. The world's going to look and we are going to get big. So subscribe now. You don't even know how, but I'll, we'll tell you later. Yeah. Um, anyway, Norm uh, is not here with us in the studio because he's out racing. You know, I don't know what kind of grown man drives a race car for a living, but this one apparently, or maybe not even a living. Norm, how you doing? Hey, doing great, man. Down in Texas. So it's with, uh, yeah, with all the art barks and the uh, spears and uh, uh, cacti and uh, the illegal immigration. So just just having a ball down here racing uh, this week with um, uh, really an incredible um, uh, schedule of pro racing and vintage racing so it's the final race of the year for the trans am series the uh international gt series formula uh four um and the uh sports car vintage racing associations uh sprint series that's what i race in with my uh uh, vintage uh, classic historic uh factory built race car made in germany by Ford Motor Company. So, um, big Cosworth V6 in it. So, I'm going to get out there and lay down some rubber and have have a good time. Uh, my sons are going to join me, and um, it, it, I think the weather's going to hold. A little rain on Friday, but they're predicting uh, nice days Saturday and Sunday. So Nice. Hey, do you, see, you see that a lot, fathers and sons doing that together? Yeah. Yeah, you do. That's cool. uh, Husband and wife teams, uh, fathers and sons, uh, a lot of retired people uh, involved, um, a lot of uh, young nouveau riche uh, kinds of uh, guys that um, maybe, and gals maybe that, you know, hit it big on Wall Street, although not recently, (laughs) Uh, but uh, have done well in places like Silicon Valley and uh, you know, other kinds of growth industries. So you, you see people living out their fantasies or, or, uh, in some cases their, uh, their talent, their, you know, there's, there's some incredibly talented people racing in Trans Am and some of these pro series. And I have to say also in the vintage racing, which, uh, I participate in, I, I did pro racing years and years ago. Uh, now I'm doing, um, vintage racing and club racing in the SCCA. But this weekend is vintage racing for me, not SCCA. Uh, that's a, a different sanctioning body. But I do two kinds of racing, and this this one is strictly for 
uh, vintage cars, cars that have some kind of historical significance. Got you. Well, you said something that's going to jump me off into our into our dialogue, and that is uh, Wall Street. People have made a lot of money on Wall Street, but not recently. But here's the problem. There are people that have made a lot of money on Wall Street recently, and anybody who's ever played craps, uh, I'm not saying I was ever a great dice player. In fact, quite the opposite. I probably I clearly have lost more than I've ever won gambling. But I was always fascinated by something in craps called the don't pass line or the don't come line or whatever it would be, where everybody else is betting on the pass line on the, on the uh, roll coming out. And you're betting against the table. And uh, so what you're doing is you're betting that it won't be a, uh, a 7 or 11 or whatever, or uh, it won't be crap, whatever the deal is. Somebody's going to scream at me for not remembering the rules. But you're betting against the table. So when most people bet on the pass line, you're betting on the don't pass line. So when everybody else wins, you lose. When everybody else loses, you win. And this is what's going on with our, our fabled uh, Congress. We have people who are betting the don't pass line, people who now it's coming out that they have been, they've gotten filthy rich on very coincidental investments in, in companies that they may, it would be very hard to justify investing in otherwise, where they've dumped a ton of money in people or in companies that just so happen to get big contracts in the COVID shutdown time period or, you know, in any time period, frankly, where they know there's legislation coming. Now, you know, fortunately, Nancy Pelosi has assured us that, you know, she's uh you know, these are elite people who are smart enough to to uh, recognize the inherent conflicts of interest and not act on them. Uh, so they don't need rules to prevent them from acting on them or have a consequence if they do act on them because, you know, they, they, they get it. Sort of like when people at Obama's uh, birthday party up at the vineyard, Martha's Vineyard, you know, they, they were smart enough, Brett, to know that uh, and how to how to handle themselves without masks and have a gathering during COVID. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so sure. they, they, they yeah. could handle it. But, you know, we're, we're not good enough here at 511 to... To, to do it. So just to uh, thumb my nose at Obama and the rest of his at Obama and the rest of his crew, I was down here with other people in my microphones broadcasting all the way through COVID and I didn't put a damn mask on once. So we had the microphones with a sheath on. We put a yeah, we put uh, these <laughs> we put these foam things on microphones. And the plan was to change them out for each guest. Uh, these have been here for three years now. Yeah, right, exactly. Didn't really have it. The Lysol can emptied. Right. And there was once a uh some some uh what's that stuff uh hand sanitizer on the wall that worked for like a day and fell yeah, off so fell yeah off. <laughs> we, we, we tried i we wasn't tried. as smart as obama and the rest of his celebrity crew <laughs> right. at his birthday party to make this to to do it but you know what i'm still here yeah i didn't die yeah yeah nobody died norm we're not dead how do we survive well, I, sh- I shudder to think of the grade school video of kids putting prophylactics over bananas <laughs> Uh, that mu- that must have been very similar to your uh, silly little covers over microphones. I, I, I don't want to. I can't unsee that in my head, and I I, I don't want that thought there. So uh, well, you speak. I mean, look, these are Thank foam covers for the microphones. Everybody, they're actually they're guards. Uh, All right, there you go. I yeah yeah I, I don't want that in my head. The the, the idea of uh, somebody unpeeling that uh, off of a microphone like a prophylactic. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, they're giving those away too. But all right. So anyway, <laughs> if, if it ever comes to vote that you should not be able to, as a elected official, benefit uh, in the market from from legislative changes that uh, that you know are coming, well, I would think that everybody would agree that that is a bad practice. Like for the rest well, of us, Nancy, we we have a word for it. It's called insider trading. Right. And Nancy Pelosi. And, you know, this is typical of Ohio politicians when they passed uh, ethics legislation, uh, what, 20 years ago? They like to do this thing where once they've amassed their wealth, like the Pelosi's have, uh, doing all the short trading and the insider deals and, and you know, in, in, in making a quarter million a year as a congressperson or 400000 whatever the hell it is, and, you know, they, they retire with uh, $500 million. Hmm, how did that happen? Uh, but what they like to do at the end of their career, which Nancy is approaching, you know, by age, if not uh, at the ballot box uh, in a week, is, is close the, you know, the barn door behind them. So, you know, they made theirs. And Nancy now is backing legislation to forbid uh, Congress critters from uh, engaging in stock trades 
they, they the only way they could do it is like the president with a blind trust that they have no control over. Uh, she is proposing similar uh, rules for Congress. Well, that's fine. A little late, but uh, you know, I'll take it. I think it's a good idea. I don't think uh, Congress people uh, need to be gambling in the stock market. That is that is such a lucrative area uh, to exploit for insider information uh, it, to sway a vote, to sway a policy decision that, yeah, that, that needs to be gotten rid of. That, that's, uh, and, and, maybe, and maybe even members of their, uh, of their you know, their, uh, their spouse. Uh, I don't know. I, I, mean, I haven't thought it through, but, you know, obviously one of the, one of the great ways to, um, and you see this with the Clinton Foundation, one of the great ways to divert money is to give it to your kids or give it to your spouse and say, oh, no, my hands are clean, but uh, Chelsea's over here earning, you know, $1.8 million as director of uh, consumer affairs or, you know, legislative um, uh, philosophy or whatever for the Clinton Foundation. So, you know, I'm not making the money. No, oh, oh, yeah, my daughter is, but not me. I think you make um, you make so, a good you make a good point in in looking at it commonsensically, if that's a word. Um, that you know, what, all this legislation when somebody starts to walk out, why now? And then take a look backwards. Mm-hmm. What did you do that now it's okay that you are actually maybe making some sense walking out? That yeah, that legislation that you're proposing makes sense. Why now? And what did you do? Yeah, it's cover. It's like I'm going to champion this I'm cause lying. because I'm the one that benefited the most from it. And I don't. I look. What is want anybody it, else doing it? Yeah. Now yeah. we're now we're not going to do it anymore because it's bad to do. Even though I made millions doing it, and don't tell me they didn't. That's what. That's what. Uh, that's what's crazy. So, Norm, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Tim Ryan, JD Vance uh, ongoing political. Uh, I'll call it a saga, but we'll just say it's 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 right around the corner for the midterms and. You know, it's funny if now that we're talking about people in Congress, uh, and one of the things I hate the most is is political puffery. I'll call it where people take positions, and we talked a little bit about this last time, um, where you run to the right in the primaries, and you run to the middle in the um, in the general, or you run to the left in the primaries, and you run in the middle. Well, it seems like all these Democrats were anti-crime. Uh, or, or we're maybe pro-crime, I don't know how you want to say it. It's like, we don't think crime's a big deal. We should let, like, I think who was in Pennsylvania, like, championing to let uh, so many people out of prison and uh, and reform everything and defund the police. And, you know, how, what, like, I'm still old enough to remember just, you know, it seems like just yesterday that uh, defund the police was the most popular platform there was, and everybody was behind that cause with signs out in their yards for Black Lives Matter, defund the police, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And now all of a sudden you've got Tim Ryan here in Ohio sort of taking a different stance. He's now saying uh, crime is an issue, and I don't care what anybody says about that. That's a quote. We need more cops. We need better paid cops. And we need to make sure that we invest in the police training. Well, where was this when my city was shut down and uh, the police were, were chastised and, uh, and, you know, nary a, nary a compliment for the, for the Blue Lives Matter flag? But, uh, in fact, if you had that out, you were almost considered a fascist Nazi uh, so it, it just seems so transparent mm-hmm. when, when they take a position like this and, and this is, you know, Norm, I have a lot of respect for you, uh, on, on your ability to do this. You, you tend to, uh, take a position and, and, you know, you live it, you, you live it out, you stay consistent. And even when you're wrong, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. but no, it, it, and it, it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. It's really hard to say, look, I understand that there's a lot of crime on the street or there's a, a lot of police or there's some questionable police work out there, but it doesn't mean we should defund the police altogether. It means that we need to focus on better police work. But, you know, Tim Ryan didn't say that three years ago when Columbus was shut down and all the cities were shut down. There were riots and uh, I was had to I had to be at my office praying that my windows didn't get smashed in by lunatics. Um, it was the opposite message. And now he's taken the, the politically popular message that, wait a minute, now I can't even go outside without uh, fear of crime. So now crime's an issue. It just it just seems so transparent uh, how these people flip. And in, in the U.S. Supreme Court, we call those people flippers when they take one position on one but another on another. Um, and then you know it, it it just seems like a a hollow attempt now to uh, to ride the political wave that currently exists. Well, I think we make they make decisions way too quickly about anything. 
take some time to think about it. It's not even, but you know what? Maybe it's not even a decision. Maybe not. It's just following the popular vote at the time. It tip. It is. It, it, but following the tide. Step back. Don't follow that tide. Be your own person. Be your own person. And, and look, maybe a little dose of Common Sense Ohio, Mr. Ryan, could benefit from. Come here and talk to us because we would have said at the time, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it makes no sense at all to say we're going to get rid of all the police. Just spend a couple hours down here. You'll, you'll come out a better man. You'll come out, like, run you through our filters, get you all washed up. <laughs> you'll be in good shape. Then you wouldn't have this problem. You wouldn't have us criticizing you for flipping. Right. Not a bit. Norm, what you say? Well, it's part of the moral relativism that has swept the country, I, I think, since the decline in, you know, belief in higher order, uh, belief in the Constitution, belief in uh, the process of, uh, the court system, belief in God, belief in uh, moral uh, moral boundaries, you know, moral limits. Uh, the, the rise of anything goes, uh, if it feels good, do it, all of that kind of stuff. The, the hippie generation is now, you know, the, the, the early boomer of, uh, segment of, of the hippie generation those are the people at the uh, controls and the dials of the media of, of government, and and they're just they're just um, they're just uh, pleasure seekers. They're 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 people who believe that you know everything else is corny, uh, that that you know you, you should seize the day, uh, just you know carpe diem, just you know just that, you know, any kind of laws or, or restrictions on a human being, including what kind of genitalia you're born with or uh, what, you know, whether you're, uh, what color, you know, your skin is or what your ethnicity is, the, the logical outcome of that kind of um, philosophy leads to chaos, leads to nihilism. And that's, that's what our culture is experiencing. How else can you explain the election, if you will, the rejection by suburban moms of Donald Trump two, just two years ago? They, they, they had to get rid of him because, you know, he tweeted mean things and he was uh, crass and, you know, and all that. And, and now their complete and total revulsion of Joe Biden and, and the the Democrats and and the and the feel if it feels good do it philosophy they they they're, they're doing a 180 they're they're rejecting the women of the view and they're coming back to to common sense normal moral strictures and it, I don't know how else to explain it it's a little like Brett says I feel whipsawed culturally like you know we we went to one extreme. And now, now all the lemmings are running over to the other extreme. And in the meantime, I haven't changed. I'm still in the same place I always was. Yeah, and, like, and the yeah, same like, place I hope to, you know, that's the same place I will, you know, intend to be. Um, I have a belief system, and I try to live my life very imperfectly, I admit. But I try to live my life according to my, my, my code of, of how to treat other people and what is right and what is wrong. Yeah, and luckily, a higher percentage of people are like us with common sense than those without. And we, we seem to have a, a, a microscope on those folks. Well, <laughs> it, it, for sure, because it, it's so obvious. It is. When you, when you put the lens of common sense and, dare I say, morality in, in front of you and look at what's going on, it can only be exposed. And, you know, it's not like, it, Norm, you, you mentioned something in there when you use the term moral relativism. Um, it got me thinking. Last summer I read, I reread Crime and Punishment. <laughs> and uh, a fascinating expose of the dangers of that. You know, it's like the Raskolnikov is, the, is sort of the guy who thinks he's going to act, like he's crazy anyway, but he's going to act on this notion that, all right, well, it's okay to kill, it's okay to commit these crimes because I could use this old lady's money far for far better purposes than she ever could. So he goes through this internal dialogue with himself to work up enough courage uh, and justification morally, even though he knows and his, and his conscience is telling him otherwise, 
But uh, he goes and he goes and kills this old lady, and immediately there are coll- there's collateral damage. It's not just that he's going to kill the old lady, take her money because she's a greedy pawnbroker. He's it, it turns out her sister's there, so he kills her too. And next thing you know, it's like uh, Edgar Allan Poe's A Telltale Heart. He starts having these like delusional, um, irrational fears that uh, that everybody's on to him. And then you have like uh, he has his best friend. I, I forget his best like Raz. Uh, I forget his best friend that he went to school with. But Raskolnikov uh, dropped out of school. His best friend. There's this dialogue at one point where his best friend is walking him home because I think maybe uh, Raskolnikov was sick or whatever it was. And he goes into this rant about how all these elitists think that they know better and they are they are they're better people and they can make these decisions that the morality the the rules of morality shouldn't apply to them because they are above it they're smarter they're obama on his birthday party they're nancy pelosi getting rich they're these people who just know better norm they don't need uh to follow the moral rules because they can make their own moral rules and then the ultimate consequence of uh crime and punishment is that he was wrong he was absolutely categorically wrong his he he had that inherent guilt the pain, the suffering that he caused himself by killing this old lady and her and her friend and committing the crime. He actually buried the money and never even used it for anything. And then he went up to prison and had redemption. I mean, it really, it's such a fascinating story. Every time I dig into it, there, there's something deeper there. And it's very relevant for what's going on today. It's like there's these people out there thinking that they know better, that, that we can say black is white and white is black and night is day and day is night and and you're a woman and not a man and you're a man and not a woman and we can have it any way we want and it's all relative and you know you can go read Foucault and the rest of those lunatics who who espouse this philosophy and uh you know they all I think at the end a lot of those guys at Foucault particularly ended up back to Christianity back to on his deathbed sort of uh having um having a, a priest or, or whatever his uh, denomination was at that time, sort of having his own redemption and, and, and recognizing that there was no way to live. So I, I, I'm hoping yeah. there'll be a backlash. Yeah, well, uh, it looks like it's going to be a red tsunami, a red tidal wave, um, you know, coming in a week. But I, I'm i a little worn out with, you know, and this, this is what the political consultants all say, you know, it's the very typical in the midterms for a president's party to lose seats because there's this, you know, pendulum effect that people believe, oh, goodness, uh, Obama went too, too far or Trump went too far, Reagan went too far, Bush went too far, now it's Biden went too far. It, it, it wears me out because what it tells me is that the average voter and maybe this is because we're increasingly making it so convenient and quick and easy without great deliberation being brought to bear. You don't have to drive to the polls, stand in line, go to a booth, draw the curtain. And actually, during that entire process, the whole mechanics of it, you're thinking. Most people would be thinking about what they're about to do and thinking about how they feel about issues, thinking about the candidate. No, no, no. Now we're just, well, like the state of Oregon has no in-person voting. The state of Oregon is all mail-in, no in-person. That's insane. That is utterly insane. So so this is where we're going, guys. And, Mm. And once you make choices so casual, so easy, so convenient, I don't think a lot of deliberation goes into it, and I don't know how else to explain the whipsaw effect that we're seeing in our political lives in the last couple of decades. I don't, I don't get how people can vote for one guy, you know, four years ago, and then vote for the opposite of that guy four years hence. It's, it's like people have no code. It's like they don't have a philosophy or they're not reading enough or they're not deliberate in their thinking. And it, it, it just shows that it shows Americans are very susceptible to marketing, uh, to uh, peer pressure, to influence, and they're not doing their homework. And I, I always like to say in political consultants, you know, every now and then you'll hear an old timer say, well, the American people are very wise and you can put your trust in the American people and, you know, that's why, you know, we have 12 jurors in a trial is that, you know, the, the average person will generally always do the right thing and all that kind of 
homespun kind of thing to make you feel better. I don't know, man. I don't know in this media culture that Americans are really doing the heavy lifting of thinking about what the hell they're choosing to do. Well, I was going to say, your example of the 12 jurors, those 12 jurors do do the right thing, but they have tons of, I don't want to call regulations, but uh, rules they must follow (laughs) to come up with that decision. Otherwise, they could go haywire. Correct. Be bribed. Well, I, you know, you I know. think what's I think what is more significant. It's a great point. It's not the rules that they have to follow. It's the rules that the lawyers have to follow. OK, so I'm not allowed as a trial attorney to do certain things or say certain things or some or uh, maybe um, make certain arguments in front of a jury, because the idea would be it would contaminate their opinion or, or decision making process. Now, I don't always agree with it, but it does restrict what I can do. And I'm certainly not advocating for restricting media sources or anything else or, or censoring but it's an interesting point and norm back to your point and along the same lines i mean there was that there was that documentary i think it was on netflix and i can't remember what it's called i could look it up but it was on facebook or it was it was about facebook and there was a there was some studies done how facebook uh can influence the outcome of an election and i think what the guy did it was a college professor who did this sort of controlled study where he invented two um imaginary candidates and um exposed people to uh, certain information about the candidates and, and could impact how a, a controlled group of people would actually vote about it or vote and who they would vote for. And he could change the outcome depending upon how he manipulated it. And, you know, we have ad guys have been doing this for oh. for decades, a century. Right. Oh, yeah. Mad Men sure. situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, if you can do it, if you can do it for a bottle of Coca-Cola or a tube of toothpaste, uh, you could do it for a political candidate. But what what you know? So yes, I'm a free speecher, 100. percent But what bothers me is the the lack of seriousness that is put into a per- person casting their vote. It's becoming more and more just um, <clears throat> driven by um, some perception of retribution or you vote in order to be uh, virtuous uh, with a certain peer group or uh, you, you, you're, you're striking a blow for, for this cause or that cause, instead of really doing your homework and really thinking about what are the policy positions of J.D. Vance? What are the policy positions of Tim Ryan? Let me look back through their history, pro and con, on each person, and try to make a judgment about whether they're going to keep their promises and what their real core values and beliefs are. Who in the hell really does that these days? Or do they just watch a little 30-second blurb and go, oh, that's so nice, he's holding hands with his wife, and and he's cuddling his baby, and he, you know, come on. Well, look, I mean, politicians you know. have been kissing babies now from the, the right. dawn of politics. But, no, I think you're right, and I think it's a reflection of a broader phenomenon, for lack of a better way to put it in our society, where our attention spans have been reduced to a, 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 a 10-second TikTok video. And we're in- well, let me ask you, yeah, exactly. So let me ask you this. You and I, when we were young, I know, I know me. I mean, you know, I know what I did. But I'm guessing you too. You're you're a little younger than me, not not hugely. A lot. But you, well, you <laughs> read the newspaper. I'm sure Brett read the newspaper. Yeah. We're information gobblers. We go after information. We're constantly searching to educate ourselves and learn more, and even disabuse ourselves of incorrect notions that we have. I am the most I am the I'm the person who is the most delighted to be proven that I'm wrong about something because I want to I want to improve myself. I want to know better things. I want to I want to get rid of uh, notions that are incorrect and grab on to factual things and things that are true. So anybody like that, anybody like the three of us would seek out information. Now, do you think your average, I don't know, 15, 16-year-old kid today is reading the Wall Street Journal or, or is online looking at 
a variety of different sources of information? Well, no, they're not. I, I, I don't know. No, they're not. I don't. I don't. No, I don't know not. that um, I was a guy who would Most, read the Wall Street Journal or a full newspaper as a kid. But you know what I did, and I'm not saying. No, like, I didn't say. I didn't say full newspaper. But what I'm talking about is that we. we this is a pre-internet culture that I grew up in, and I think largely you grew up in. Correct. And, for sure. and so, yeah, and so we were looking at print on paper. We were. We were having to make a deliberate effort to go out and get information. These, the, the young people today have been ill-served by this uh, John Stewart. You know, there was a survey that said most kids of a certain age, when he had The Daily Show on, were getting their information from John Stewart about what the news was. But here's because the... That's you know, here's that's the what backlash. they watch. Here's the backlash, though, and it's good. When I was a kid, I could still watch the nightly news without an extreme amount of 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 veiled bias coming at me. So the mainstream media, I'm sure they had their bent, but it didn't seem so obvious then. And now it does. And it, and it started. It, it became so painfully obvious to me with Trump when they would report out of context things that Trump would say. And you know, and I always said I was saying this at the time. Guys, I would say, you know, Trump says enough stupid stuff that you can go after him. You don't need to take the other stuff out of context and make it look like it's bad. And that's exactly what they did. And, and I, I remember talking to um, to people right here on my show saying, pull that damn, pull up the speech now and you will see that it wasn't, they took it out of context. It's not what he was trying to say. And as an attorney, that means everything. It's like you can't just take somebody's one sentence out of an entire statement and say that defines it. And they were doing it regularly, and they were doing it shamelessly, and they were doing it in, with the intent to influence people's opinions on Trump. And there's a backlash because of that. It got so bad that now there's a backlash. And you know what it is? Common Sense Ohio, conservative podcasts, liberal podcasts, guys in their basements. It's like, it's like the, old, uh, the, the old ham radios, guys just broadcasting to see who's listening. And people, it's starting to change. And, and I think we experienced in our lives, Norm, pre-internet, pre-mass media, we also experienced the apex of it. And now there's a backlash where we're experiencing something totally unique, the rise again of the populist news sources. It's like it used to be that, remember when the printing press, all of a sudden it wasn't the church that could just print everything. Uh, anybody with a printing press could print. And um, it, it changed everything. And it, it, you could even go back further than that when there was this notion that only the church could have copies of the Bible. And then all of a sudden you could, everybody could have a copy of the Bible. And then the church didn't have total, or the government didn't have total control over the religion. And, you know, it's like now we have podcasting and not to be too self-serving here, but we're here talking about this in long form and people are listening. People are listening and we can be wrong and I don't mind it. Call me and tell me I'm wrong. Fine, but I'm not going to try to indoctrinate anybody. And I think uh, even if I were, there's going to be somebody else that that, that cries foul and uh, with an equal platform. We are in Hyde Park in London in 19-whatever, in Victorian England, where guys would stand up and just start talking. This is the bastion of free speech. It's as broad as it's ever been, and hopefully we can preserve it. I think also, you know, the, the more information we have, it's a double-edged sword. So the more information that you do have, which we are in that glorious age of, you're also kind of sit back going, tell me what I'm supposed to know, and I, I got to go. You know, we've lost that thought process. Maybe of too much. Maybe too much because you're inundated with so much information. You want somebody to filter it for you because you don't have the time no, or it's so much information. I think we, we trained over the years to do that. And all of a sudden now, where's my one source to really tell me what the hell is going on? And when you can't trust your mainstream sources, you have to start looking. But I found right. some. That I can, I can yeah. read and I can say, generally speaking, I can trust this source right. because I, it, because, and you know what the source, there are sources who do not veil their bias. So if I want to get a conservative news source, I will look for somebody who says I am a conservative news source. So then, you know, mm. there's no masquerade. It is not a trick. It is, they, they, they come at you recognizing the angle from which they're coming and then, only then, can I actually trust it because they're telling me what their bias is. It is when people conceal the bias 
like we're trying to do here at Common Sound. <laughs> no, I was going to say that's exactly the platform we're on right. with this one, with this podcast. Yeah, we, right. We recognize that we all have backgrounds, we all have biases, and we're trying to have a common sense dialogue to get to the truth. Mm. So, I, like the only the only thing I know, the only the only remedy I've ever heard that makes any sense for too much information is more information, where you, or, or misinformation is more information, where you you can't. If you leave dangling misinformation or biased news and say that's the only source we can have, then you'll you'll that's a path to hell, man. By well, what I'm talking about is is not the uh, tsunami or the, uh, the the ocean of information. What I'm talking about is the lack of cognitive uh, crunching of that information. Correct. Where 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 are the lessons? on how to use your mind and and where 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 is the unshackling of the mind who is advocating to young people for them to review all this information contradictory information information from the left information from the right information from the middle uh, statistics etc and for them to then deliberate and to think through what what ought to be the solution instead of putting on black jackboots and leather pants and, and running out into the street and saying you know uh, fry pigs like bacon and you know burn down the police station because that's junk food because that that's something that they heard you know somebody say on TV that they think is really cool Madonna or Taylor Swift or you know whoever, you know, whoever their uh, their thought leader is, is that they want to mimic. You know, where is, where is, who is telling kids to make up their own mind? And from my point of view, it's conservatives. Conservatives are not trying to brainwash generally. Most, most conservatives are trying to give their kids and give young people and give the general population the tools to think through a problem and in a Socratic way to come up with their own answers after they go through the information to resolve the problem for themselves. Because we all know, and you certainly know, Steve, from presenting to a jury, we all know that a person's beliefs are much more tightly held when they come to that conclusion themselves rather than when you try to stuff a thought down their throats and say, that's the truth. That's, you know, propaganda. That's, uh, that's what I want you to believe, and by, by golly, you better believe it. No, no. A person will adhere to their, to their belief system when they digest the information and come up with their own conclusions and their own decisions, and that's what I'm in favor of. Well, what is the what is the verse? Uh, I think it's in maybe First Peter. It's in Peter, maybe First Peter. I don't remember where. Where uh, it discusses, be ready to defend your beliefs, be ready to uh, explain, in other words, why you believe in Christ or why you believe in God. But take that outside that context because I'm not going to preach at people here. But the idea is, once you have reached your own conclusion, once you have gone through your journey, once you have uh, sort of sorted through it or work through it on your own, then you can explain it to somebody else. That mean, and what they're really saying, I think, Norman, this is a great point you just made, and it, it, it gave me this thought. What you're really saying is, if you can do that, then implicitly you know that you have worked through it on your own logically to the point where it makes sense to you. You've done your homework. Instead of just shouting it out loud and saying, believe me, you're a man, not a woman, or I can be a woman and not a man, without being able to defend it uh, logically. And, and now instead of a logical defense of things, you get shouted down for questioning it. And that's, again, what right. we're trying to do here is fight it. So the, it seems like to me, the more I hear, you shouldn't even question this because it's how I feel. The more I hear it's nonsense in my head, because if somebody right. can't explain to me how they feel, then that's a problem. That's a problem. Well, when you, right. When you hear, uh, when you hear somebody, you know, with, with great contempt, uh, come back to you with, well, my, you know, my feelings are just as valid as yours. You want to say, listen, young person, I don't have these beliefs because of feelings. 
these are not my feelings that there's two genders. Okay, that's there. There are two genders, male and female. It's not based on a feeling. You know, it's not based on something that you know I was uh, hypnotized in in grade school by uh, you know uh, by my teachers or something. I don't know what kind of conspiratorial mindset somebody has. My my belief in a in a factual real world is is um, is based on the five senses that I have in my brain. It's not based on feelings, and I'm I'm just I'm fascinated with with anybody who 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 thinks that admonishing them about facts is is me trying to project my feelings on them. It is not that. It, I'm actually trying to help you understand the real world. It, you know the the actual physical reality of the world, which some people want to deny, like they're Peter Pan. Uh, you know, like they, they want to live in a fantasy world, but this is not a fantasy world. Yeah, so, you know, you bring up that term, you know, feelings. And I had to look it up and go, well, what is the definition of feelings? And the second definition of feeling, a belief, especially a vague or irrational one. Yeah. And it, but I'll bet you that since we've spouted it out here, they'll probably change that definition. Probably now. so. Yeah, right. probably so. But, but, <laughs> but, but so, you know, it falls right along with what you're talking about there, Norm, is that a belief, but it's an irrational or a vague one. Again, let's refine that. We have lived up until now. Well, I don't want to say completely, but, you know, human existence is based upon, I think, this notion of objective reality. We can see and we can touch and we can feel and we can taste and we know. And we also know certain things inherently in our beings. And, you know, that's an argument in favor of God. Take it or leave it. But objective reality is what it is. And you can't change objective reality to match your feelings. And you can certainly have feelings about objective reality. Like I would say, yeah, it sucks when it's too hot outside, but it's just hot. You know, I can't, me saying it sucks is saying nothing about uh, the fact that it's hot out there, it just or, or nothing to change that it's hot out there, it's still hot. Now, if you start defining or redefining what terms mean, it's a slippery slope that goes, like you said, Norm, it's, it, it, it ends in complete chaos. And, it, you know, all the greatest thinkers of all time have understood this, except for, like, these maybe the, uh, the thinkers who uh, created the foundation for things like communism and uh, fascism. Uh, as a as well, an offshoot, just, sure, sure. We we just went through trick or treat, right? And it's a child holiday. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the secular part of All Souls Day, where we go out on Halloween and we trick or treat. It's for children, and and they dress up as uh, Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or Catwoman or whatever DC Comics or Marvel, you know, person uh, they want to be, the Black Panther, or whatever it is. And God bless them. But as parents and as, as people who love them, you know, and I love everybody. It, I, I love my political foes. I love everybody. But, but you would not indulge an adult with the idea that because he puts on a, a $15 costume or whatever they cost, probably $115 now with inflation, a uh, Batman suit, you would not say to that guy, Oh, you really are Batman. You're Batman. No, you. you what yeah. if he said that he was you Norm? Know. I feel like Batman. <laughs> well, <laughs> would you let him so, jump off a cliff so, with a with a grappling hook? Right. So it's a it's a, you know it's a childish thing to think that uh, the facts don't matter, and to think that uh, you can change reality if you just close your eyes and say, "I want to go home. I want to go home," and poof, little Dorothy's back in Kansas. You know, that's a wonderful idea, but it's fiction. It's fiction, folks. The reality is you are who you are. You're not Batman. You're not Superman. Those are things of, of your childhood. So, so you, can't, you can't say to yourself, you, you know, you can't say to yourself that I, I wish I was, Norm Murdoch, who's a, you know, a mixed race, white male, whatever. You, I can't say to myself, I wish I was a young Oriental woman, and then close my it's eyes. It's Asian and norm. You're not. <laughs> yeah. Oriental and then, anymore. And then, and then, and then I'll throw in sin. 
and is, and then you can't go around demanding that other people address you with the pronouns that you you you, you know norm i i want to call you uh, no no you've got to call me miss uh you know what whatever this new character that i've invented for myself that is completely ridiculous and childlike well it's and, absurd you know, yeah go ahead yeah so well it, i was I, I was just going to say to wrap up the point that we're not doing our kids any favors by creating this cognitive dissonance in our culture where we tell them they can believe they can be anything they want including things that are outside the bounds of reality well, it's this and yet, notion, and yet, and yet that's what we're doing. It's it's <laughs> this notion. I think it, the, and, and again, this sort of foundational understanding of our existence is they are trying to rewrite it. And you know, anybody who has eaten too much sugar knows as they're eating sugar, it's not good. And it's I don't even know how you know it, but you just know. You know, it's leading nowhere. You know, it's not good. And when life is too easy, uh, and you expect everything to be easy, there is no satisfaction in that. And and anybody, all you have to do is look at. Uh, like the the spoiled rich kids um, who have been who have been given everything, they end up miserable. They end up in depression. They end up committing suicide. They end up doing ridiculous things, and they end up uh, espousing this nonsense because they don't have a framework by which they can understand life. And anybody who knows that when you com- anybody who has completed a project, a difficult one at school, um, at work, uh, or even at home, you know, if you've got like oh crap, I got to do the leaves in my backyard, something so simple, or make your make your bed, or put your clothes away, or do your laundry. Everybody knows that when you're done doing that, it feels good. It feels like you've done something, and there's a satisfaction there that nobody can take away. It's not dependent upon anybody else or any other thing. You've done it yourself, and it's repeatable over and over again. What is not repeatable is a fluffy, easy life. And it's, it's one that ends up in misery. And to those who it seemingly is repeatable, they are just that. They're miserable because they've never had to yeah. accomplish anything. And I'm not saying that rich people are miserable altogether because I know plenty of wealthy people who work their tails off either in their job or in their life or in their, in their spirituality or in their faith or whatever it would be. Like the, they overcome obstacles. Like even I was just uh, texting a buddy of mine about boxers the other day. And I read this article about uh, Mike Tyson, and some commentator was saying he's a good boxer, but he's not among the greatest because he never, like, whenever he was tested the most, he failed on some level. Like, he bit the ear or he got knocked down. Like, whenever, like, when it was too easy for him, and this is so true, I think, of a lot of people where they're naturally good at things, um, it becomes too easy and they end up falling on their face at some point in very dramatic fashion. And then we started to talk right. about maybe like Muhammad Ali or even Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, and I, 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 why I'm going here, I don't know, but I, I've, I've done some reading and, and watching and thinking about these guys. They seem to always put challenges in front of them, even when they were skillfully as good as, if, if not better than everybody else, but they always pick the next challenge and intentionally put it in front of them. And, you know, yeah. why did Ali want to go fight Holmes at the end? I don't know. Maybe you could just say it's because he was punched out or, or whatever. But it was a challenge. He was never comfortable. He always wanted another challenge. And he would always work at it. He would get out of shape and then come back. Um, Sugar Ray would have his eye. He had that detach retina. And then he got sort of embarrassed by Duran. And he came back. You know, it's like, and, he, and when you hear him talk about it, he's not really saying this expressly. But what's going on, I think, is he needed a challenge to overcome to have satisfaction in life. And it, it, if somebody would have just given it to him, it's never good enough. When somebody forfeits, it never feels good. When, when you're just handed a trophy without earning it, it feels crappy. Right. Um, these participate, this participation culture of ours, um, is, is resulting, I think in misery. That's my yeah, philosophy. It is. Right. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. Well, the, um, the, to, to me, the, the most amazing thing, the most important story. Yeah, the elections are important. I think there's going to be a red wave. So that is highly, highly topical. But I think what we're going to see unpeeled over the coming year, that is going to be the biggest story, and or at least ought to be the biggest story, if Americans really care about facts, really care about the First Amendment, really care about the government weighing our thoughts or the government trying to manipulate us and that is the abuse of the patriot act 
by the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, and the deep state. And this is being unpeeled by the technicians that Elon Musk uh, has, you know, from from his um, from his empire, you know, his rockets, his his electric cars, etc. They are he is he is redirecting that talent onto Twitter as we speak. And some of the early indicators are this week, just things that are bubbling up, is that he has he is going to be able to disgorge the algorithms and the shadow banning and the blocking and the uh, the meetings that, for example, uh, Zuckerberg has said that he had with the FBI agents. He said that on the Rogan show. Uh, Zuckerberg said he he was in meetings with the FBI wherein they asked him, they asked Facebook, and of course they asked Twitter, they asked YouTube and all the rest. They asked them to censor, censor the news, censor speech, dampen down certain certain people. So if so if Alex Berenson wants to talk about masking or vaxes uh, on uh, on YouTube or Twitter, turn him off, deplatform him. Do you know get rid of that? And they did this under the auspices of the of, of the Patriot Act. The idea they, they perverted the intent of the Patriot Act, which was to allow the FBI to do counter insurgency, counterterrorism investigations, and counter espionage against radical Islam fascists in this country because, you know, of, of 9-11. And instead just like Ron, Ron Paul predicted, and I was wrong about this. I said, no, no, no. The good-hearted people at the CIA and the FBI and the Department of Justice would never do this. This is Norm Murdoch being totally naive. It's Ron Paul. It's, it's other voices who, who were suspicious and, and understood that there is evil inside each of us and people who want to manipulate People like Comey, uh, people of that ilk who would construct a false narrative and then put out the Russian collusion hoax or, uh, or, or dampen down people's ability to discuss COVID issues, whatever it is. The government, what's going to come out over the next year or so is going to be incredible. And the American people have to decide, do they want Big Brother, you know, to be our government is is that what we want? Do we want to we want that Orwellian uh, future where where we are passive and they tell us what to think, or do we want an open marketplace of ideas? And this is the biggest scandal maybe in all of American history. This is a, abuse of the highest order of the First Amendment. Well, we're I, I mean, look, we are there's another machination of that is occurring as we speak um, in Ohio and everywhere. There are people out there, namely the teachers union, I saw his, I forget who it was, but I saw his speech, asking to give a pass to all those draconian, authoritarian dictators who crammed down this insane COVID policy during the shutdowns. And not only were they completely 100% wrong, now there's evidence coming out that they knew it. That they were doing it, it that it that it wasn't that that there was evidence they suppressed evidence that they were wrong in order to have in order to do what they were doing and then later to justify what they did. And there are people looking or advocating to give those people a pass because it was just a, such a hard time in our society. And I say bullshit. I say no way. Anybody who intentionally crammed down bad policy or uh, intentionally maintained incorrect facts or lied, we'll say it to justify stupid decisions they made, uh, I think they ought to pay. I think they ought to pay at the election booth, and I think they ought to pay if it was criminal. I think it, some of this COVID stuff that happened was nothing short of criminal. They, they they took people's lives away from them forever. They took people's businesses. They took people's money. They took, And they did it all for this collective cause. And um, and, I, and I was saying it at the time, when, when they were skewing death numbers, 
and everybody knew that they were skewing death numbers. Um, they were doing it because they were they were didn't want to be exposed for the stupid decisions they made. And and I'll uh, and I'll say this too, and I mean this. Look, if they were wrong and they had bad information or they misinterpreted information they had and they just made a mistake or they just got emotional and thought, oh, my gosh, I'm afraid, and then made a bad decision with bad policy, fine. Admit it. Move on. I'd, everybody here at this table would give them a pass for that, but not for the cover-up. No, exactly. Well, how many of us have ever gone through a COVID pandemic before in our lives? Sure. So, so, yes, we're going to make mistakes. Fine. Mistakes are fine. They are, quite frankly, but let's adjust and, and come up with the, the best knowledge that we have at the point in time and do the right thing. But blind eye mistakes are not fine. They're you know, not. They're not. Well, I mean, those, those are policy issues, and, and I agree with everything both of you said. My point, which, you know, maybe, maybe it got lost a little bit. My point is that in the marketplace of ideas, which is what the First Amendment's about, we, we don't have a free country if the government can coerce and control social media companies and and for example on to take our show common sense ohio if if we have a particular guest on or if we are routinely covering subjects that somebody at the fbi or department of homeland security decides is taboo that we like for example we want to talk about um, election of fraud okay I'm still seeing articles every time I read an article about the 2020 election or about the one that we're going through right now, the phrase election denier or the phrase it's a false narrative that there were uh, issues in the election is routinely tacked on, even by Fox News, even, even by sources that you would think are uh, conservative, are, are saying, that that that's a false statement by you know MAGA people or whatever. That means what, so. What happens with that is social media is then denying people the ability to discuss and debate that topic. Of course, I'm not saying. Yeah, and and that is that's a scandal of the first order. That would be like the Department of Homeland Security in the old days in the print media days going around and grabbing up all the newspapers on the stands and, and shutting down printing houses for the newspapers that, that are coming out with editorials or stories that they don't like, that, that is covering subject matter that they don't like. Well, that was but, my... But it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. That was my point well, with I'm the COVID stuff. It, it, it's the same thing, right? So you had government suppressing information about COVID entire groups of doctors who wanted to say, look, we're not seeing what you're seeing. We want to talk about this. This isn't right. We have a different idea. We have a different way to treat this. And the government is is not only suppressing that, and through pressure, all of a sudden the American Medical Association and other, and other uh, groups in the medical field start delicensing people. And then they have no platform on social media. YouTube won't present the videos. Facebook wouldn't let them uh, put posts out there. I was a I was right. a COVID denier because I didn't want to get vaccinated. It was a it was a uh, a pandemic of the unvaccinated, and it turns out it was all BS. They are now like they, like even uh, Pfizer's come out and said we have no studies that supported that this that the vaccinated vaccination would have stopped the spread of the illness, irrespective of whether it had it worked. Um, it wasn't going to stop the spread of the of the pandemic or the, of COVID, and that's what the that's what Biden was saying out loud. And anybody who said differently was shouted down as a denier. Same thing with the election. Right. Same thing with climate. Right. If you question any of their science, it's like, wait a minute, what? This doesn't make sense to me. Please explain. You get shouted down, and they're into your point, Norm, which is a very scary one. And I agree, it is a. It this should be a scandal. This should be topic A number one for everybody who who cherishes freedom, is that you have the government using its power levers to control social media. Yeah. I mean, it's it's gigantic. I think this is I think this is the biggest story going into the 2024 election is who is going to allow us, the citizens, to go about our business of of getting information from whatever source we want. Who who is going to try to control our minds and try to uh, try to uh, shadow ban? voices that they don't want to be in the marketplace 
and and which candidate is in favor of that. And of course, you have Biden. I mean, just this week, saying crazy stuff about that certain voices are so wrong, certain voices are are so uh, distasteful to him that they're racist and homophobic and they're this and they're that and they're in you know and 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 of course it's nothing of the kind to 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 associate somebody who is concerned about crime for example and say it's a dog whistle for racism to talk about crime is is not only is not only mentally illogical and and, and is not only you know a fallacy of 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 just logic but it it then has the corrosive effect of silencing all kinds of people who when they see an assault or when they see property theft or they see something go on in their neighborhood instead of calling the police or or, or instead of expressing themselves about what they are seeing in the suburbs or downtown in in regards to crime they're going to self-censor themselves because they don't want to be perceived by the media borg by the the group thing as racist well that's insane that's I, crime doesn't have a race a, a criminal can be any race it well, can be any i mean it's ridiculous it's what it is is it, it is a shout down of any challenge to the logic that may not make sense and if you can't defend your position you shout it down with those emotional phrases and and you know you could have some there are aspects of crime that involve race, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to talk about crime and punish those who commit crime, irrespective of the race. I mean, th- those things are not mutually exclusive. They can. I mean, it, it, it's it's absurd. And and what it does is it ultimately uh, drives the debate underground, and it results in what I will call extreme radical ideology on both sides because it becomes untested, unchallenged. It's like a fungus. It lives in the dark. And, you know, if I have a stupid idea, Norm and Brett are right here to tell me and challenge me on it. And then I can adjust my course in real time and say, okay, that doesn't make sense. I better go to a different direction. But if I'm left to fester in my closet alone with other people who are festering in their closets alone, then you end up with people like the KKK or you end up with people like the like uh, some of these Black Lives Matter extremists who have no ability to think about anything rationally on their own. And, you know, shame on me, they'll say, for comparing the two. Well, shame on you for not listening. You know, it's like I'm not saying that one's good and the other's bad or one's bad and the other good. Both ideologies at extremes are bad. And the only way to combat that, the only way to get logic to people is to be able to talk in the open market of ideas. That's my two cents for that. Well, and as you said, too, all these ideas and concepts go underground. And I don't. I went through a, uh, a a luncheon talking about the dark web in mm-hmm. regards to what's there, what's not. You don't really want to. You can get there, but you don't really want to go there. The dark web represents a very high percentage of what goes on in internet traffic for the web for for websites. That's interesting. It, it, it's it's like in the eighties or ninety percent. I don't even know what the dark web is. It, it, it's it's an that's an access point that the government designed it. It's for information traffic that you can't access. So it's deep, deep, deep. You got to know the code. You got to know where where it is. But that's where the information is sold. That's where your social security numbers are sold. Anything that's stolen can be bothered. You could buy anything in the dark, dark web. They were showing these images of of guns and drugs. I've had plenty of drug ev- cases involving everything. Dark web. And I don't know how it works either. But we're talking about that stuff exists, and it is a very high percentage of what goes on in the internet. So don't think that telling somebody that your ideas are you know we need to shut them up. They're going to find a place to talk about them. Sure. It, it, it's like it, it, nothing lives in the vacuum, right? It always mm-hmm. escapes. It's like you cannot. Nazism and fascism, they still survive. They still survive, right? You can say you're not allowed to talk about Nazis or fascists or, or any of their ideology. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You can yeah. say that we're going to – that. Uh, uh, gun control, we're going to have gun control and uh, ban all the firearms in the world, but they still exist. So making your stupid law to look good isn't going to change the fact that guns exist or isn't going to change the fact that bad ideology exists on both sides, whether they're the extreme fascists 
racist assholes on one side or the extreme fascist racist, racist assholes on the other side. And I use that term. They're the same. They are the same, mm-hmm. just manifesting in different ways. So it, it just is, uh, you know, the Marxists and the communists on the far extremes. Uh, it's all the same ideology that is left to fester unchallenged. It will grow. And, and it's upon us the common sense people to, to shed light on it, to, to, shed talk, light on it right. to talk about it, talk it out and show them for what they're, what they are. Yeah. Not. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we are, uh, boy, we're an hour in, we, we didn't cover much news today, guys, but that's okay <laughs> because, uh, that's not, we're, we're just here to espouse common sense and challenge each other and, and, and challenge our listeners to challenge us. So what does that mean? That means you can reach out to us. That means you can say, uh, uh, hey, talk about this, or hey, you're wrong about that. And how do you do that? Well, for now, you can just go to lawyertalkpodcast.com and send comments there. Very soon, we will have commonsenseohioshow.com out there with our website, ready to rock and roll. Uh, like I said, we've been on uh, two interstates at the same time, and they're about to split off. And by the way, I got a call over the weekend. It doesn't, or last week, it doesn't mean Lawyer Talk is gone. It doesn't mean I'm done with the Q&A. It doesn't mean with any of that. Spent a little bit of time here right now, but uh, both are still alive and well, and both are going to start uh, emerging. I've got great plans for lawyer talk. Uh, be prepared for the rogue edition. I'll explain what that means going forward. But I got some cool stuff happening uh, when the weather breaks again. So uh, that's that. Elections around the corner. The big drop, the big podcast, Common Sense Ohio. It's going to, you know, we're going to have, uh, I wouldn't surprise me if uh, presidents call us, if world leaders call us, if intellectuals of all ilks want to be on our show. Why? Because we are speaking common sense right from the middle, common sense Ohio, at least until now.